It's the journey we're on and all of the little things that happen on the way to our goals that really make the difference. We're going to continue with the pursuit. Welcome, welcome, pursuers, to another episode of Pursuing the Process. We're here with baseball coach himself, the dad, pop <laughs> as his shirt reads tonight, Toddy Todd Hall. Hello, Sir Hall. What up, How you doing? Johnny Barnes. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Spring is sprung. It's baseball season, as you said. I am coaching uh, my son Ben's peewee team. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty fired up, man. I'm rocking the, the peewee team hat, the Carolina Mudcats affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. My son's teams uh, are all named after in his league, minor league baseball teams. So we're the Mudcats. Benny's starting off hot already in the minors. I like it. Big B, I'm, man. He's he's loving it. I'm feeling like I should be kind of in that dad coach baseball mood right now because I'm feeling a little old. I threw up the back last night doing nothing special at all. I love this. Yeah, nothing special. Tell him exactly what you were doing. No, it's embarrassing. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> we were... We were out hiking, exercising like all day, come back. And before bed, I'm washing my face and I'm bent over <laughs> and my back just spasms on me and almost brought me to my knees. <laughs> Thought I was going to sleep it off and woke up just stiff as a board. So well, I'm how, old aggressively, man today. How, how aggressively were you washing your face? Well, I scrub in there. You got to exfoliate, <laughs> man. Uh, yeah, you can't keep that fresh face forever, man. You got to really work at it. That's so. right. I had to work through my big beard. So I really had to dig deep into that's it. it. That's what it was. <laughs> That's it. No, see, that's, it's just a sign that you, you're, you're maturing, man. I mean, cause we all go through that in life and uh, it's your turn now. So. No, well, thank you. I really congratulations. appreciate Congratulations. Oh, yeah. I take it honorably. <laughs> <laughs> but since we've last chatted, you are now about a month or so into the new job, correct? That is correct. I hit the one month mark um, about four days ago. So yeah, here uh, we are one month into it already. One month in. So your life has clearly taken a shift and what have you been doing as of late? What's been the lifestyle oh, the past month it's been a whirlwind that is for sure i still remember vividly that first week that i we were doing our last episode and i just it felt so fresh and new and man it seems like after a month it just feels like um i don't know maybe a new job years it's more like a year because there's just been so much thrown at me at a short period of time um i've been just trying to soak in as much as possible and i think it's really been good for me to be honest with you i came from a place as, as you know where i was at the same company for 19 years and you get to know the people you get to know the processes you get to know the products and this is a whole new world for me i'm not i'm not familiar with this part of healthcare i'm in a lab services uh company and you know it's amazing what this company's been able to do in a pretty short period of time has a great team of people that i've really enjoyed working with so far but it's been a, a whirlwind traveling a lot my liver has been completely annihilated with uh nightlife and team building opportunities <laughs> um, had, had a couple of trade shows already that I've attended. So it's been, uh, it's, it's been awesome, man. It's been a lot, but it's been awesome. So when you say a lot and maybe the year instead of month and work terms here, that's all just because a lot's been packed in. It's not necessarily a, it feels dull already kind of thing. It's a good thing. No, it's been because I've gotten so much packed in and there's just so much I want to do, you mm. know, and you're used to working at a certain pace. Like I was and like, you're getting used to John where, you get to know kind of the place you're at and what you need to do to be successful. 
And there's just so much that we can do. It's just so much opportunity here. I really am building on a great team. I really enjoyed working with so far. There's just a, a tremendous amount of opportunity out there for us. And so the, the question isn't, you know, where are we going to grow? It's just how fast and where are we going to place our bets? And that's been really a fun place to be, um, you know, coming from a place where it was more slower growth, focus on profitability versus going out and trying to capture market share. So does this feel a little bit more of a startup culture to you? Absolutely. So the company's 10 years old, but it still has very much a startup mentality. And that's what I was looking for when I left uh, Big Co, as I like to call mm-hmm. it. Uh, and it, it's it's been everything I've hoped for in that regard, because I feel like on a daily basis, my team and I can make 99% of the decisions we need to make. And so that level of empowerment and autonomy has been incredibly refreshing for me. And that's really what was one of my top priorities as I was evaluating different options was, am I going to have that freedom uh, mm-hmm. to do what we need to do to achieve our goals? And, and, you know, how much are we going to give, you know, the team we have the opportunity to, to really, you know, run their business. And, and it's been fun from that perspective, for sure. I remember even when you were gearing up to leave our former company and you had mentioned you wanted to go somewhere where you could have an impact on the culture. So to hear yes. you talk about the bets that you can make and to you actually have ability to make those bets in place, place the chips where they may put people in the right position. That's cool to see where it has aligned even a year later here, falling into something that seems so true to you right now. That's, I mean, that's well said. I didn't even mention culture. I was thinking, you know, more about kind of the business and the focus and growing that, but a big part of what I'm trying to do is to, to infuse a positive culture in the company. And, and not to say there wasn't one, I think there, the pieces are absolutely there, but I I think over 19 years, you, you see a lot in terms of great leaders not so great leaders. You see the impact of great culture on companies and people and teams. You see the impact of bad culture. Um, and, and so I saw all of that. Um, and I, I kind of know what each of those things feels like to be in it. And, you know, I'm trying to absolutely replicate the things that I think are uh, indicative of great teams and culture and try to eliminate or at least minimize the things that, that aren't. And, uh, that is a really fun part of this job is to see how people are already responding to some of the things that I brought. And it's refreshing, very refreshing to be at a place where I feel like I can put my fingerprints all over this place. Oh, heck yeah. And you talk culture. It's so funny. Two years ago, you know, how memories pop up where it's like a year ago today, two years <laughs> ago today. Yeah. So when you and I were working there, do you remember that luau happy hour that we had part of the culture committee? Yes. Yes. So the virtual luau. Yeah. The virtual luau. This was right when COVID had struck and <laughs> Todd was the VP of our territory. I was a newcomer. I had no idea how to make an impact or even really quite what to do to put a mark on the territory. So I joined the culture committee. We we're all about trying to boost morale, get people together, bring cohesion. And I led this luau happy hour. And one of a buddy of mine just sent it to me recently where I'm in Omaha, Nebraska, where I was living at the time, in this Hawaiian shirt, trying to play a <laughs> ukulele as people trickled into this virtual meeting. I think we had 50 people on the call. I didn't know most of them. Probably yeah. looked like an absolute fool. But I remember when you talk culture, it pops in mind. Oh, absolutely, man. And I remember that well. And those, those are the memories and those are the experiences that I think people carry forward. You know, and the mere fact that you and others on our culture committee took an attempt to try to bring a team together at probably the most stressful and uncertain time of our lives. uh, I think is, it it is something people uh, do remember. And I'm glad you've carried that forward because I certainly, as soon as you started talking about it, absolutely remember that. And I also, it also just reminded me of just how important it is to have a good support system in our lives because 
you know, I'm, I'm stressed out like everybody else trying to figure out, okay, we got this happy hour tonight. What am I going to do for it? And I want to make sure I fully participate. And next thing you know, my wife, Heidi digs out all the, the, um, uh, tiki, uh, decorations in our basement. And she decorates the background of my office with all this tiki gear and gets me a, a tiki mug to put a, 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 an umbrella in and, you know, like she went, she's the one who helped me go all out on that because she understood that this was an important thing and she wanted to be supportive of it. And that's another memory that I have of that. And it just reminds me of what a great partner I have. I should have known that it was Heidi that decked you up because no way you could address that <laughs> quality of a Hawaiian get up. I remember yeah, you showed man. up and I think you were the most decked out from background to mug to dress and it all. You were, that you was, were looking good that day. That was 90% her. It did help that I, at one point in my career, did cover Hawaii as a sales territory. So I had plenty of outfits to choose from, but uh, yeah, that was 90% her. <laughs> and to a support system piece, I mean, we all need that. I think it's so easy to get caught up in our own little bubbles and worlds thinking that we dictate everything that goes on and we can do it on our own. We can't do everything on our own, not by a no long way, shot. And from little no moments way. like that to bigger moments along the way that we'll get into here. I mean, it, it becomes so apparent how much we need our tribes and our people around us because takes a village takes a community you're absolutely right and uh i guess just fresh off mother's day um you know hopefully everybody got a chance to thank the moms and wives in their lives because uh they're a really important part of our overall happiness and success and i know mine has has absolutely been that for me mm, absolutely same there same to my mama grandma whoever's listening that's <laughs> right mother's day to you and i wasn't there in person this is one of the first times being out out west, so it's a little different not being around. Has, has Grandma made any video cameos lately? Grandma has. <laughs> <laughs> so Todd is once again referencing some culture committee stuff from our prior company. But Grandma used to make some video appearances, and she became a little fan favorite amongst our prior corporation. She did. I miss her. We're going to get her on, we're gonna have to get her on pursuing the process, too. We might. I mean, That's she's awesome. about as well-traveled as they get. She has some stories. She could pop on. I love it. Let's do it. Uh, but speaking of pursuing the process, obviously – this whole reason why we created this is to share stories. It's to unpack people that have taken risks. It's to dive into the mindset of what creates a life, a process around what we actually want to do, being intentional with our time and thoughts. And honestly, watching you in this past process, meaning the job transition, you've been on a 10 month sabbatical up until this past month, as we're talking now. So the whole purpose of this episode is to focus on our star player himself, Todd Hall over here. <laughs> but in the fashion of pursuing the process, Todd, I'd love to get into your role, how things have changed for you and just what this past 10 months of being on sabbatical has really taught you. Yeah. And first of all, I want to say that I'm honored to be a guest on my own podcast along with you, Mr. Barnes. Um, I know we always had thought about as we, as we re rebooted this for an external audience after trying it out at big co um, you know, that we wanted to tap into the journeys of life and give people a platform. And I, I know we always talked about doing this when I would, my, my next chapter was, uh, was complete in my sabbatical. And um, it really has been um, a journey for me. And it's been indicative of, I think, what we wanted to create in pursuing the process. Um, you know, I think a lot about just, you know, how it started. It's kind of the old meme, how it started, how it ended. Um, it was not easy for me to start this process at all. Um, having been at a place for 19 years, I developed a tremendous amount of loyalty, primarily to the people in that company. And that to me was always what it was about. It was about the relationships. It was about the friendships. It was about the respect, the camaraderie, how I felt when I came to work every day. 
Um, and then, you know, I think that that started to change. Um, and, you know, I just kind of found myself in a place that I couldn't really identify with anymore. And there were a number of leadership changes that were happening around me. A lot of people I really respected, admired, and had worked together and developed strong relationships with over a long period of time uh, who were leaving the company as well. And so there was sort of a lead up to my departure. And, and I'll try to summarize it the best that I can, because I think it's important for me to describe this to people, because I know many people have gone through similar situations in their career. You know, their job's been eliminated or, you know, the, the, the company's changed direction or there's been leadership changes like there, there were in my previous job and company. And so there, there, was, a, there was a lead up for, for this for me where I was really struggling and trying to reconcile whether this was the place for me anymore and really wrestling with the loyalty that I felt, especially to my team and how hard I knew they worked and how much I knew that I mattered to them and bumping that up against um, some of the, um, you know, the, the directions that, that the leaders of the company wanted to go and the focus on, you know, company results and profits over people. And that's really how I felt that the, the trend was going. And so there was a lead up where I got a, a new boss um, and we had had a number of conversations over a period of weeks where it was clear to me that, you know, I didn't have a place in the company anymore. Um, but then it, then it happened. I got the nondescript kind of cryptic text message that said, meet me at the Panera bread, uh, tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. And I knew, I knew this was going to be it for me. And, um, you know, I walked in there, basically was presented an opportunity to leave the company, even though, um, you know, we did it at a Panera Bread, even though we have an office two blocks away. Um, so I listened. I asked why I wasn't given a response and I left. And that was it. So that was the, really the official kind of beginning of the end for me of 19 years at a place. And it just... I realized that no matter what you do, no matter how much you care, no matter how hard you work, sometimes it just isn't a fit anymore, you know, and sometimes a company values different things than maybe what you're willing to offer or what you can give at that period, of, you know, during that period of time. Um, and so I felt like during that process, it's almost like, you know, it's that, that experience is still frozen in my mind and time almost stood still as I walked out of that place. And I thought, you know, I never thought my time here would end this way, but, um, it did. And I will say after that happened, uh, I was very, very grateful for a number of people in my inner circle who I could lean on for support because it was so critical to me during that time. Um, and I was so grateful for the team that I had around me, my most immediate teammates who really helped to prop me up during what was a very difficult time for me. And, um, mm. you know, I'm very grateful for that. Thank you for being vulnerable enough to share that first. I mean, that's, it's emotional, like you said. So you go through that and what is the initial feel? Do you feel betrayed by the company? Is it just anger, confusion? Is it almost like a death in the family? Because I know you hold your colleagues, people that you came so close with, similar to family. I mean, you've been around them, you grew with them, developed them. They taught you, you taught them. What are those initial thoughts leaving that Panera meeting? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I do liken it very much to a death. 
and I, I believe that my career died that day at, at that pre, my previous company. Um, and I feel like I had to go through the stages of grief in order to come out the other side. And I think it's very common, I'm sure, for people to go through that. And that's why these stages have been defined. But I, it, my emotions ran the gamut for sure. And there were a lot of things that I wanted to say to certain people that um, for, I think for better judgment, I didn't, I didn't say um, because they weren't going to be productive. And frankly, I, I wanted to be able to leave the company saying, you know, I did the very best that I could until the day I left. And that I left with my head held high and I wasn't going to let anybody tell me otherwise. And so, um, you know, thankfully I had enough people around me that were encouraging me and reminding me of all the great things that I had accomplished and that we had accomplished together and what I had meant to them. And I think why I use the funeral analogy is because there's only certain moments in your life where you have these big moments to be able to reflect and to mourn and to be thankful and be grateful and think about all the wonderful memories that you have. And thankfully I had a lot of people around me that I could share my gratitude and appreciation with and they could share it back to me. And I think it was only because of the circumstances around which I was leaving that it afforded people the opportunity to be that open and honest and transparent with me and for me back to them. And I'll never forget some of those conversations that I had with people, I didn't even know they were listening to me at certain times. And they would remind me of things that I said, things that I did, things they tried to emulate. And I would tell them the same things back because mm. there was so much I learned from them as well. But it was that outward you know, expression of gratitude that I think was so helpful. It was opportunities big and small. I'll never forget having 30 people in a restaurant and just mm. them all surrounding me and giving me individual toasts on what I, what I meant to them. Right. And, and how special that was and um, the things people wrote. And, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, so I had a chance. Thankfully, I had a chance for a victory lap and I'm forever grateful no matter how the process went down and how I'll never fully agree with what happened. I, I I'm appreciative that I got a couple of months after that. That uh, momentous occasion in the Panera Bread <laughs> to be able to, you know, have a victory lap. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I just I, I do feel strongly that I left that place. Um, the way that I wanted to, even if it wasn't under the conditions that I wanted to. Mm -hmm. and I do want to get into some of the stories around your victory lap. But before that, you talk about that time you had between finding out it was the end for you and actually leaving. And mm -hmm. there's this beautiful time, it sounds like, where people just were fully transparent because the reality is you were a high-end executive at a large corporation. That comes with a certain level of social barrier where people aren't probably going to shoot you straight all the time. They might give you a corporate washed answer. They might not say something they truly feel because you're their boss's boss. Right. What did you learn from those transparent levels of communication? And what did you take away to try to foster that moving forward as you continue to take high end roles? Yeah. I love that question. So um, I, one of my favorite sayings, and you've heard me say it, John is assume the risk of leadership because mm -hmm. there's a lot of risk that comes with that. One of the risks of leadership is that you feel at times like you're on an Island or that you're um, kind of isolated where people sometimes won't give you their honest feedback. They won't shoot, shoot you straight on things. There is some success theater that happens. And, um, you know, when people found out I was leaving, it absolutely removed some of those barriers. Uh, people cried with me, people laughed with me, people told me stories. Um, people tried to help by connecting me to people in their network. Um, some people, uh, you know, even 
got upset and some of, some of them left, you know, shortly after I did. So uh, it ran the gamut and um, I'll never forget, you know, the, the, the feelings and the, the raw emotion that people expressed too. Mm-hmm. It was palpable. I mean, myself, if you want to look at it in sports terms, I was a rookie in the company at the time and seeing that yeah. you were, you were and continue to be a mentor to me to, to see that bubble ripple effect, however you may call it. People, people felt it. People felt it strong. And as we touch on the victory lap, then mm-hmm. paint a little picture of people. It was, it was momentous. <laughs> it was so, it was so fun watching uh. John Hall ball out and have so much fun just soaking it in. If you were still through the grieving process, you had, you had me fooled. I'm sure you were still going through a lot of the deep emotion, but to paint a picture, there were times where it was a taqueria filled with 30 plus people. Drinks yep. were flowing. Everyone was going around sharing stories. Yep. There was a time colleagues flew in for a brewer game. Yes. There were nights around a bonfire, many nights just celebrating mm-hmm. and, Yep. What I remember is so cool about those times is, again, the raw connection. People brought up stories from 19 years ago to 10 years ago to the deeper lessons and meaning you taught along the way. And I think it's a shame that it takes sometimes a big event like that to really tell someone how you really feel. It does. And yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. As you went through that, I also saw you being such a reciprocator because, like you said, you also would reciprocate feelings you gave back. One of the most special moments that I saw was we were in – the restaurant and everyone went around we would hold this rope that was symbolic mm-hmm. of your time and your territory that you led and people would share a story and what they learned from you and every single person you would take the time to address them and give them something that you learned from them or a story about them back rather than just uh you could easily said thank you move on to the next and kind of keep on people inflate your ego of sorts but it wasn't <laughs> that at all it was really just a human to human connection that you were so personable with everybody. I think that's just a bode to you and the authenticity and connectedness that you bring to people. I appreciate that. Cause I, I, I did, you know, I just feel a little bit uncomfortable with all the outpouring of support. And I just wanted to make sure people knew that I felt the same way about them and that it was a two way street and that for everything they claim that I taught them, I'm sure that they taught me many, many more things. And I just wanted to tell people how much they meant to me personally, you know, and, how much I enjoyed getting to know them. And, and, uh, you know, it's just, there was some sadness in it too, because I knew that that was going to change, you know, we don't, mm-hmm. you know, and, and my relationships with a lot of those people is a lot more distant than it used to be. It doesn't mean they mean less to me. It just means that I, you know, just, we, we don't have the same convenience that we used to have. And I think it was a little bit of signaling of that too, that we all knew something was going to big was going to change. And um, it has, but um, you know, I've been, managed to stay connected with a lot of them in some form or fashion too. And that's been important to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you literally remove the people that you spend so much time with. However exactly. Much work. I mean, I know you weren't much more than probably a 30 hour a week kind of guy anyways, but <laughs> I know that's still a lot of time to spend with people. It is, man. Exactly. Yeah. In between, and, you know, golf and games and trips to the pool. Yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> and selfishly, that was a special time for me because that's when we had a lot more open, honest communication. That's when we had nights out till 2 a.m. at your house at a bonfire. That's right. At your house. We had times exactly. over lunch where... I think that was actually over lunch in Milwaukee where pursuing the process was really birth because we were talking about what we could do, how we could continue something. So everything yep. that we've put out within this platform has stemmed even from roots in that time period during your victory lap, during the start of your sabbatical. You're absolutely right. And I, I want to say this too, as, I, as we're talking about these conversations with people, um, one of the pieces of advice I've given others is, you know, just don't, don't go into this with too high of expectations on how people are going to react. Cause some people are going to, some people are going to say, well, geez, that's too bad, but who's going to be your backfill? And like, what does this mean about, you know, for me and, and how is this going to impact me? And that's okay. Like people are all going to handle situations like this differently. One of my best conversations was with you 
don't know if you remember this, sitting at Cafe uh, Hollander on the east yeah. side. And I told you that I was leaving the company and I was trying to tell as many people who are important to me like you individually. And I just got the rare opportunity because it was still uh, during COVID to sit down with you over lunch. And I told you I was leaving and you stuck out your hand across the table and you said, congratulations. And I was still mourning what had happened. And I thought to myself, you know what? God damn it. It is congratulations because there's so much in front of me and I'm having wonderful opportunity for this farewell tour and I can go with my head held high. And I just remember that moment. Um, and you saying the right thing at the right time. And that just was really important to me. Hmm. Thank you for addressing that. I mean, that's, I do remember that lunch, but I don't even remember that handshake per se. So it's sometimes the littlest moments. I think that it does really touch is. on even a, a broader theme in life though. Like you should surround yourself with people that are happy for you doing the right thing for you too. And obviously it's natural for us to always look internally at how someone else's decisions is going to impact us, whether it's a friend moving, a family member deciding to take a new job. We always look internally. I think it's really yep. important to look out though for people that truly have your best interest in mind and people that may have more of a selfish motive. And it's not necessarily a good or a bad thing, but to be self-aware enough to notice who's in it for what reasons. And I found myself surrounding myself with my best friends being the people that I can make the wackiest decision in the world, but if it's for me, they see that and they come back and they're like, God, like, whether it's good for you or you crazy bastard, what the hell are you doing? It's, it's yeah. a, hey, I'm pumped for you, buddy, kind of mentality. So I think it's important to surround yourself with people that have that feel. You're right. And um, it does remind me, and I was going to bring this up at some point, probably a good opportunity to do it now. Um, one of my former bosses and mentors of mine went through a similar process about five months before I did. And so I learned a lot from him. And one of the things he said during this, during his, his time of kind of finding that next chapter in his career was that he, he's really realized and he, he's read other people's research on this. There, there, there are three types of people in the world. There are givers, there are takers, and there are reciprocators. And uh, you're going to find, you're going to find that in life. And I think if I'm being honest with myself, this process has opened my eyes to the benefits of being a giver versus where I think I, I was, and I'm striving to try to tra transition myself from being a reciprocator to more of a giver. Because there, I mean, there were so many people during this journey who for no benefit to themselves, gave me advice, gave me expertise, gave me contacts, gave me their time, gave me their support. You know, and I just, I look back at all the people I met along the way that I didn't know before, because I had a lot of work to do to build out my network. And we can certainly talk about maybe some of those lessons, but I, I just was, I was um, inspired, I would say, by the number of people I met who were just givers, you know, and mm -hmm. I, it did kind of renew my, <laughs> after going through a tough situation at the end of my <laughs> first, you know, first, uh, first company that I ever worked at, um, I feel like I, I had my faith restored through this process. And one piece about giving, one of my favorite books is The Go-Giver. If you haven't read it, yeah. go read it. Great it talks book. about yep. at the end, one of the last lessons is part of being a great giver is having the ability to also receive. So reciprocating, I take it that as, oh, someone asks you a question, you'll ask, oh, how about you back? But giving doesn't have to be a, still a one-way street. You can be a give, give, giver all day through and through. But there's also an element to open yourself up when people come and they compliment you or give something back. Be willing to accept that love and that generosity from others too, because otherwise it gets kind of lonely if you're just giving too. It has That's to be true. life. Life and relationships are two-way streets. It's a very good point. Yep. So right. as we continue on the process, then, so all of a sudden 
you're with the company 19 years, you're mm-hmm. stripped of it, and all of a sudden, you're no longer Todd Hall, big wig at Big Co over here. <laughs> you're just Todd Hall. So yeah, how unemployed much, guy. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, identity. I mean, identity. Yeah. Right there. I mean, how much of yeah. that was tied up in this career that all of a sudden you were figuring out who you were and what you wanted to be known for, starting up in this new phase? Yeah, it it, um, it was hard to separate myself um, from what I had accomplished at at that company. And how much of my identity had been tied up in my profession. And I had to come to grips with that. Um, but I also, I think, was I was grounded by the love and support that I had in my fam- from my family and my friends. And um, I knew that I was more than that. I just knew in my heart that I had more to offer. And I knew that I could provide um, more of, what, of who I was as a person, as a professional in a different place. And so I think once I came to that realization that even though this process wasn't officially initiated by me, it really was the best thing for me. Mm. And I am grateful as hard as it was to end up where I am now, because I I do feel like I have come to grips with the fact that it just, you know, my time there was over and it was really, it was time to go. And, um, you know, that, that there are places that are out there that are better for me in, in who I am as a person, what I want to accomplish, what kind of meaning I want out of my professional life, um, what kind of company I want to work for. And, um, you know, that, that has all given me a ton of energy. Um, and so I, I, I've seen, and I will say, by the way, that I've, I've seen others go through a similar process where they had a lot harder time separating themselves from their, from their identity, working at one place for a long time. And um, I can, you know, I can just, I can empathize because it's, it is hard to do, but I'm, I'm grateful that I, um, you know, through this was able, able to really effectively do that. And where did you see your mind starting to wander? Cause all of a sudden you strip work. That's a lot of free time. I know you do have yeah. two young boys at home, but where did your time go? And even those initial months were you just party well, mode heavy or you and Benny just hitting the clubs every night, practicing your DJ skills or <laughs> what was going on? Absolutely, man. Um, you know, I, I, I was also grateful for the timing of it all. You know, I, I left, I left the company at the end of May officially last uh, working day of May. It was a perfect time for me to spend some quality time with my family and to oh, get yeah. out and travel. My, my kids were not in school. We had the whole summer off. Um, so, I mean, I've never had that kind of freedom since I probably was, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can't even think of maybe when I was a kid and we had summers off from school, but then, then I didn't have the, the means to go out and travel and I didn't have the, you know, the independence that I have now. So I, it was really an unprecedented experience in my life being able to take that time off. And I, I wanted to make a concerted effort. I didn't want to look back on my sabbatical and say, Hey, you know, all I was worried about was that next job. And I didn't enjoy the ride. I didn't take advantage of this opportunity with a, a then a four and a two-year-old to be their dad, to be Heidi's husband, um, and really just throw ourselves into it. So, you know, I started to document all the things big and small that we did together, you know, and John, I've showed you the calendar that I kept it, you know, and you were great about giving me a journal on the way out. Um, and I did, did use that at times to reflect on my journey. I think that was very helpful. And then I kept this calendar and I put everything from big and small. I put, you know, big trips on here, whether it was, you know, our, our trip to Arizona, an RV trip through the five great lakes that I've talked about before. Um, Heidi and I went to Iceland together. Um, we went to Mexico. We went to Boston, Hilton Head, Memphis, 
Nashville, right? It was those big trips. We got a plenty of traveling in lots of miles in the car. Um, but we also had the little things, you know, and I'll never forget one of my first experiences right after my time had ended. Um, and, and my son, Ben and I were sitting outside. I was having a cup of coffee. It was early June. And, um, there had, had been a Robin's nest that, um, the mother bird had created right in front of our front door. And it was building up over the last couple of months. Kids loved watching the process play out. And um, then all of a sudden the baby hatched. And my son, Ben, and I were sitting there and just watching this baby bird stick its head out of its nest. And the mom wasn't in the nest. The mom was out getting food. Well, the bird, for the first time in its life, decided to try to fly. It jumped out of the nest. And um, the mama bird was nowhere to be found. So the bird starts chirping, kind of flies into the wall, falls to the ground. All of a sudden the mom shows up and uh, the mom kind of pushes the bird into the, into the bushes for safety. And we're watching to see what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden the mom and the baby fly away together. And I thought that is a little thing that I never would have seen. I've never seen anything like that in my life. And I never would have seen it had I not had the opportunity for this experience to be sitting there with my son, just watching the world go by. Mm. And to me, that was symbolic of what I tried to make this sabbatical to be. And what I wanted to remember was the moments big and small. And I do feel really good about the fact that I was able to do that and grateful that it happened. Well, that's just a small moment. I know you can touch on the Iceland trips. So that bird one's a much smaller time as you're a stupid yeah. bird watcher yourself. But <laughs> it, I know yeah. you've talked so many times and that's a great example of the moments of gratitude along the way. Yes. And it seems like you had a lot of moments throughout this journey and process where you thought, wow, I wouldn't be doing this if I were at work right now. And yes. it seemed like that struck over you quite a bit. Is that something that was intentional and you tried to actively think, or did it just pop in your head naturally? Yeah. You know, we've talked a lot in these episodes about the importance of gratitude. And I guess I had kind of developed um, a personal uh, affinity for that trait and I understood the importance of it. And I think that my sabbatical gave me an opportunity to have a, a daily trigger, you know, and I, I don't know how it started. Honestly, I don't, it, it usually happened when I was doing something with my family it usually happened on days where I look over at one of my kids or, or Heidi and say, you know, we're having such good memories together. And these experiences are not going to happen every day when I go back to work. And so, you know, whether it was riding with Ben to school or going to the local water park or going to the zoo or just horsing around at home, um, you know, it just, yeah, it just started. It just started organically. And then it just continued. It seemed like every day where there was some kind of a cue going back to the habit loop, you know, the cue was, Hey, I'm I just something I, I wouldn't be doing. Otherwise the routine was this moment of gratitude. And then this happiness that I felt was the reward for it. Mm -hmm. And it just continued. And I think I told you that when I went back to work, I've kind of lost the, the, the cue. Um, sometimes I get it back, but it's certainly not as frequent as it was before. And I've tried to reconcile that. And I need to figure out why that is because there's a lot of great things that are happening to me in my professional life and things that I'm learning and great people I'm working with, but it's just, my life has changed and it's back to the maybe more traditional routine that I experienced for two decades before that. But um, yeah, I, I just, I've lost a little bit of that and need to get it back. Hey, you'll find it. I'll give you a kick in the ass if you don't find it soon. I'm going to get on you for will. that. I'm, I'm going to keep on you. <laughs> I know you will. Yeah, exactly. But is there anything uh, I do, over I, that? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I do think documenting though, these little things too. And I've even tried to continue that, um, you know, I'm looking at my calendar now, just writing down those little things that I've done um, even at work that I've enjoyed or, you know, the events that I've had, um, you know, I've done a lot of traveling to, to meet people 
and had some awesome experiences even in the time, you know, the last month. So, you know, trying to make sure that I still continue to chronicle that because that has been a good cue for me as well. Oh God. Yeah. I think people take too much of their time off as being their time to live. And they think their time during their working time is, well, I'm dialed in now. It's you still need to have fun during the weeks, during the time you're working. You don't live for these vacations in life. You don't live for the weekend. Like what kind of life is that? If you're truly only waiting for those moments. You you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And that's what I kept telling myself because there were some tough weeks and tough days in the job search. You know, you, um, anybody who's gone through this can know it is an incredibly humbling experience. And I went into this knowing that was, this is a very good job market, but even so it, it is really humbling to, you know, have conversations with people and think that you're making progress and then realize, you know what, um, you've got a long way to go, uh, in terms of kind of redefining what you want out of this next chapter You've got to also kind of redefine who you are and what, what you've done in the, in the context of maybe what you want to go out and do uh, and, and sort of make sure that people don't try to, you know, kind of typecast you into being a certain person or a certain archetype because, you know, there's a lot of stigma that follows somebody who's been at one place for 19 years. You know, things like the old dog's new trick, new tricks adage, or, you know, is this person just a big company guy that loves having a bunch of resources and, you know, wants to, to play it safe from, you know, from a risk perspective and, you know, things like that, that I had to try to overcome, but it is incredibly humbling. And so thankfully I, I was able to kind of lean on those moments of gratitude to remind myself what it was all about. Cause it, it did get pretty dark. Um, you know, of, of, uh, probably six months into it where I felt like I just was struggling and, mm-hmm. you know, there, there, <laughs> yeah, it was just, uh, it was challenging. And I, that's, I'd want to go deeper on that one because one, I can't believe you're trying to get some sympathy for your time off here. It's tough you <laughs> travel yeah, around, but exactly. it does point to some realness about even when things are going so great, you have time, flexibility, freedom. Oh yeah. Things are still tough at times. You still go through some tough shit. We all do. You do. But also yep. I think it's very hard to redefine yourself and get clear on what you want at times because society mm-hmm. and the world's going to shift you in one direction. Oh yeah. And for you, that was, an executive in your past role. And that probably is a lot of what people saw as your type. They look at your profile or your LinkedIn. It's, Oh, we know what Todd Hall is about. How did you go about getting clear with yourself first? So you could articulate that to others during your job hunt, what you want. Yeah. You know what? In the early days, it was focusing less on the job and really about learning who I was and what I wanted to go out and do. And it was, it was, I, I didn't, I didn't apply to a lot of jobs early on. I did a lot of networking because I want to learn from others. I wanted to understand maybe some of the opportunities that were out there. Um, you know, I wanted to understand maybe where others who wanted to make this kind of similar career shift to me of going from one, one company for a long time and a large one at that to, you know, a smaller, more entrepreneurial and startup kind of environment. Um, and so it, it really, uh, for me, was focusing more on my own learning and, and at the sacrifice sometimes of feeling like I was making progress in terms of number of jobs I applied for or getting through an interview process. And so that, that patience was hard especially for someone that's goal oriented like you and I are. Um, but it, it, it was, it was the right thing. I think if I look back on my experience and um, you know, even though I had some hard times, I'm glad that I took the time to invest in myself. I didn't rush into something because I had a lot of good offers along the way that I stepped away from because they didn't feel right to me. They didn't feel right in my gut. They, they weren't something I was excited telling people about. Um, when I thought about accepting it, there was a pit in my stomach, you know, like you really have to, 
be true to who you are. And I think your gut will tell you who you are as long as you listen to it. And that was something that, you know, was always there for me. And I'm, you know, grateful that I listened. And that can be tough even listening to it. I think we all have a gut feel and at times I can, that can be good to have a gut feel and just go, but it's also how to rationalize it and not go completely blind into a gut feel, but also let that gut feel lead you. I remember I had a mentor tell me once how that gut feel, if you trust your intuition, if you feel like you have strong intuition is processing so many data points that we can't even process consciously. It's so much steering around. There's a reason why you have that intuitive gut feel. So explore it when you have it. I think it's so important. You're absolutely right. And you know, at the end of this, I think I mentioned I had three job offers at the same time and I was grateful that things finally came together for me that way. I'd gone, you know, a long time without, you know, I'd had a few job offers along the way, but nothing, nothing like that. And so, you know, it really was for me about trusting my gut and picking the right one. And, you know, it wasn't just about the financials. It was really about the mission, the opportunity to do meaningful work. And of course, make a, you know, uh, make a fair wage at the same time. But, um, you know, I turned on other jobs that had more financial upside because I felt like this was the right place for me. And I thought I fit here the best. And I thought it, 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 um, you know, checked more of the criteria that I had for what I wanted out of this next chapter. Yeah. So my letter must never have made it to you when I offered you my maid role at my San Francisco home for $10 an hour. <laughs> I was waiting for you to yeah. bite on that one. Must, must have missed it. Yeah. <laughs> must have gotten lost in the mail. Yeah, exactly. But also in some ways it's, it's kind of funny just how things work in life because not too far off from dating where all of a sudden you get one job offer and all of a sudden you got a little swagger to you. It makes you kind of more appealing. And all of a sudden well, multiple start flying in. It's like, it's like you're walking around and all of a sudden you got a girlfriend and everyone's just flocking to you. Absolutely. I use that analogy often during the tail end of my job search. I mean, <laughs> Oh, it, you stud you. I know it felt good. I, you know, <laughs> I haven't been on the dating scene for like, you know, 25 years. So it felt, it felt good. No, I believe it. As you talk about the network piece, though, you bring up how so much of your early time was spent networking, talking to people in your network, expanding your network, letting them know where you're at. What do you think made for a meaningful network? And how do you actually go about doing that? Because I think so many people, they get lost in the process of, hey, I'm looking for something new. How the hell do I network? How do I start sparking this? Do I just DM everybody I can think of on LinkedIn and Twitter? Right, right. What do I do? Yeah. I mean, it's, some of it is a numbers game for sure. I mean, you have to have enough uh, conversations, I think, to, um, you know, allow you to find those opportunities and to get connected into those. Um, but also, again, like I said, to, to kind of teach you a little bit about what you want and the opportunities that are out there that might fit what you're looking for. You know, I took a pretty methodical approach to it. At first, I kind of went like a little bit haphazard and and just kind of went after people, anybody who would talk to me. And there were a couple of people who were super generous about, you know, opening up their network. I remember a guy that used to work with me, um, you know, his brother had gone through something similar. And so all of a sudden, you know, I had drinks with him and then he opened up his network to, to 10 other people, you know, that were leading companies in the Milwaukee area. Um, you know, so there, there are those, there are those networkers that you'll find that all of a sudden one conversation turns into 10 or, or 15 um, you also have to be okay with the fact that maybe th- that a lot of these conversations won't actually turn into job opportunities and you've got to be patient enough with that. Then, t- you know, after a little while of feeling like I, I didn't feel like I was making enough progress, I started to document all the conversations I was having. And that helped me personally to kind of keep track of when I had talked to those people last, taking notes of those conversations, what did I learn? Um, and then trying to figure out who else I could connect to, you know, after those conversations, 
And so that, that also helped me quite a bit was just kind of getting to a level of um, a little more of a, you know, kind of an organized, organized structure around Mm -hmm. meeting different people. Um, But it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely for me um, more important to network and get to know people than it was for me to try to apply to jobs cold. I didn't have any success doing that. Now, some Mm -hmm. people do, and they'll throw a a resume on LinkedIn and and they'll get the job. But for me, that was a dead end street. I um, applied to enough jobs where I got zero response that I just thought, you know, my, my next job's going to come from somebody in my network, whether it's people I know well or an extended network. And that's really how it happened. So Mm. um, I all all three of the opportunities that I had at the end, they were all, they all came from somebody within my network. Yeah. So old adage of who, you know, not what, you know, sometimes and combination of both, of course. Yeah. I mean, you got to be able to tell your story. That was for me because I was making such a, I thought in, in, in what I was told kind of a significant shift, you know, going from a big company to a much smaller one and being able to prove that I could adapt and adjust to that. And I think there was, you know, some, some challenges in that coming across in a job application, you know, like you just talked about. So I, I think it was for me, it was about telling my story. And I think I was much more effective when I, you know, had that opportunity. Before I close out and drop the bomb of a last question on you, cause I got, I got one queued up here that I've been waiting for, but anything else you want to touch on, on the shift of perspectives that you faced or anything along your way that you want to share with the pursuers or for even selfish reasons, or just getting off your chest for how this process has been for you. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll end with this. So my wife, Heidi sent me this. I'm not sure even who wrote it, but she found it on uh, a post recently that she thought was incredibly appropriate for me. And it describes, I think my journey, but it also talks a little bit about John, what you said earlier on um, about recognizing that, you know, life's not just about the weekends. It's about the days in between. It's about the experiences, good and bad, hard and easy. And so this sums it up, I think, really the last 10 months for me very well. And I've, I've tried to carry this forward even into, you know, this, this chapter of my career that I, that I started a month ago. And it says, note to self, when you find yourself in the space between no longer and not yet, resist the urge to get out as quickly as possible. Make yourself at home in there. If you're going to sit in discomfort, get yourself some fun throw pillows. Be curious. Stay open. Make room for grief and grace. Let the next thing find you instead of the other way around. Remember that you're not waiting for the next part of your life to begin. You are living this part. And I think that sums up my last 10, 10 months very, very well. And I hope that people uh, w- will be able to learn from my journey and take something away that they can use in their own life. Mm. Well said. Well said. I don't even know if I should even drop this last bomb of a question on you then, because I'm just letting the emotion mushy gushy side of me sink. Into that <laughs> there. But I, I was going to end it just in traditional fashion here as we end every episode. Through this all, <laughs> you now have a new job. You've had a career at 19 years with one company. You've now had a 10 month sabbatical where you've had time for personal growth, family time, redefining who you are. And now you're in a new role, leading a new team across the U.S. in a new space. Through this all, a lot of perspective shift, but sitting where you are right now, what's it all about? Yeah. Um, you know, for, for me, what it's all about this last, you know, 10, 12 months uh, really has been about 
the impact that I want to have on people and the impact that people have had on me. And I think often about, you know, when I'm gone, what do I want people to remember about me? And I think that I want people to remember that I had a positive impact on their life in some way. It doesn't have to be significant. It could be small. It could be a fun memory that we had together. It could be a life lesson they learned from me. It could be an experience that they gained from something that I did. But for me, it's just, it really is having an impact on people. And I think, you know, my transition away from a place that I knew so well for 19 years gave me an opportunity to, to learn about that impact that I've had um, and for me to express that back. And so I, I, I just think often about, at least more recently, about my ability to have impacts on people, whether it's my kids, my wife, my family, my friends, people I don't even know, um, and that that is really the most important thing. Um, a lot of the other stuff that we experience in life is just more noise. And, um, you know, it's to me what it's all about. Boom. Mic drop. Ah, so good. Thank you for sharing your perspective, Todd. Thank you for being open and honest with us here. I won't be too much of a Johnny cocksucker to close this one out and keep stroking the <laughs> ego, but always good to hear your life lessons and just hear more of your process. And to pursuers, thank you for sticking along with us. Thank you for listening to us two knuckleheads go at it for almost an hour here today. So we appreciate you all. Keep on listening. Feel free to subscribe. We'd love to keep you part of this community and keep on building it out as we go. That's all for now. Todd, you want to do the honors? I'll first say Johnny Barnes, your class act. And uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be in this position without your support. Um, you're, you're one of the best brother and I'm happy to, and proud to call your friend. So with Appreciate that, you, thank you to all the, the pursuers out there for all your love and support as well. So many of you who listen to this are, have been huge allies to me through this process. And I hope that I've given a little bit back to you. So keep listening, keep pursuing. We are out.